0: well good morning we're coming to a great part of the birth narrative of jesus this morning and we have the angel here made by the children to remind us that we're coming to the part about the shepherds and the angels now i have a confession to make and it's born out of being a sunday school teacher and doing too many traditional nativity plays because this part of the story is indelibly linked in my mind to tea towels Now, some of you will get that, some of you won't, but in my day, the small boys always wore striped tea towels when they were shepherds, and you always had to have a good stack of tea towels if you were organising a nativity play. But I hope we're going to look slightly beyond those familiar images today when we pick up the story written by a family doctor, Dr Luke, who was very good at recording details. And he said that there were shepherds living out in the fields by night. And that phrase, living out, was an accurate one, because shepherds in those days usually had no homes of their own, and they slept in the clothes they wore on those hills. And these hills, of course, were the self-same hills that the boy David, all those centuries before, had looked after his father's flocks on. Now, in today's society, shepherds are highly regarded, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't been paid by Paul Dunn to say that. My own brother and my nephew are sheep farmers in County Durham, and, in fact, some of our closest friends are sheep farmers. It's a very skilled occupation. You need a lot of skills to be a sheep farmer. It's a very important part of today's rural economy, and we need to value our farmers. (laughs) I'm going to get an NFU badge. (laughs) But you know, in Bible times, it wasn't like that. Shepherds were regarded as the lowest of the low. They were despised and mistrusted. And many of them were petty criminals. And rogues, and I may have come across some of them professionally if I'd been working in those days. Actually, I feel sometimes I have been working (laughs) since Bible times. They were not permitted by law to act as witnesses in court because they were so mistrusted. They were armed men. You know, they had the shepherd's crook, and we're all familiar with the crook because uh, shepherds still carry those. But they also had a big kosh, a wooden implement. It had a big round ball on the end, and they used to use that to belt lions and bears. And if you want to read about that, David killed those on those self-same hills. So these were rough, tough men. Not a tea towel in sight. <laughs> we could sum up their whole character by saying they were not exactly choir boys. And they were the least likely people, probably around that area, to receive a visit from angels and an announcement about the Son of God. To put this into our language today, it's a bit like in May of this year. You know there's a royal baby born, Archie. It's a very great name, isn't it? We have a few Archies in the fellowship. Instead of Prince Harry having a press conference in Kensington Palace. It's a bit like him going out in the middle of the night to a random rubbish tip and announcing to some dustmen who are working night shift that Archie had been born. That's the real feel of this story. There's something very strange about it. And yet also... There's something wonderful about it. Because God did not choose wealthy people or influential people. He didn't even choose good people. He chose these people to give the announcement about his son to. What does that say to us about God this morning? It was a fantastic announcement, wasn't it? The night sky became totally floodlit with the bright presence of God himself to the extent that these hardened men were absolutely terrified it's not surprising that the angels first words were do not be afraid have you noticed angels tend to say that when they turn up they are awesome beings And the angel wanted these shepherds to hear what he had to tell them. But there was good news of great joy that was for all the people, including even them. Once the shepherds had just about processed all that they'd seen and heard, it was at that point in the story that the big guns appeared. And the whole of the night sky became filled with the huge angel armies of God. They were making a great declaration of praise, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favour rests. And you know this statement, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men, bridged the gap between the highest heaven and the lowest earth. And the whole scene pointed forward to what Jesus himself had come to do. And you know, once these shepherds got over the fright, they said to one another, let's hurry off and see the thing that the Lord has told us about and they'd been told that they were going to find a baby in a manger. Now, mangers are long feeding troughs. I think shepherds still use those. But they weren't in stables. They were kept in the open in a courtyard, and they were used by animals whose owners were staying in the nearby motels. So you can imagine the shepherds running off courtyard to courtyard to courtyard until they found the only one with this really unusual sight, a baby in a feeding trough. So these despised men were not only the first people to hear the announcement, they were the first group in the presence of the newborn son of God. You know, we heard about the Magi, didn't we, last Sunday? Well, that visit was several months after this night. So these shepherds were the first men in the presence of God incarnate. It sends a clear message this scene. It says that God wants to include those who are excluded. It says that God wants to bring near those that are far away and that He wants to lift up those that are downcast. It says those who are discarded and disregarded by society are much regarded by God. You know, there was a word came from the prayer room this morning, and it was this phrase there's a place for you. And I want to reiterate that there's a place for you near Jesus and don't anyone count yourselves out because God very much wants to count you in into his family and into his purposes you know these shepherds had an encounter with the glory and the son of God that brought them right into to the purposes of God. You know, they weren't deemed fit by law to act as witnesses in court, but God used them as witnesses. Because the scripture says that when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard them were amazed. You know, the account in Luke's Gospel ends with the shepherds returning to their workplace, doing what they'd probably never done before, and that's praising and glorifying God for the things that they'd seen and heard, which were just as they'd been told about. They found themselves joining with that angel army that they'd just heard, in praising and glorifying God. You know, when we came in this morning and we were singing with the band, the worship was great in here, and we might have thought, well, there's a good number worshipping here. What would we say, David? 200? Yeah, that's about right, David says. Really, our maths is way out. Because we read in Scripture, Hebrews 12, that this morning we've come to the church of the whole of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. And we've come to a place where there are thousands and thousands of angels in joyful assembly right now. And you know, about 95 years after that night on the Bethlehem hills, there was an ordinary fisherman. He too was given a glimpse. Well, it was more than a glimpse. It was a longer look into the realities of heaven. He wrote it down. We call it the book of Revelation. And he said he heard the voice of many angels, thousands upon thousands and 10,000 upon 10,000, and they circled the throne of God. And they sang in a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain, to receive power and strength and wisdom and honour and glory and praise. God invites us this morning to join in that heavenly choir in the eternal continuum of praise. Some of our lives this morning may not have many natural causes for praise. And maybe when we look at our own hearts this morning, maybe we think, We're not fit to be in God's army of praises. We might feel that we are not exactly choir boys ourselves. But you know the wonderful truth of this story is that God meets us where we are at, and he can give us a personal preview of his one and only son. We don't need this morning a vision of angels to see the glory of God, because Scripture tells us that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. Paul wrote, God said, let light shine out of darkness, and he has made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. I have an old laptop. My husband thinks it's an absolute disgrace. But it comes up with this message almost every day. It says, important updates are available. Sometimes I do something about that, but most of the time I ignore it. But I think God would say to us this morning that there are important updates available about Jesus. Jesus is absolutely brilliant. There's no limits to his love. His love reaches out to us every single moment of every single day. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And there's no situation, no complexity in our lives that his godly know-how how Cannot guide us through. Maybe he would say to us today that he is still on the throne, that the circumstances of our world and the circumstances in our lives have not dethroned him. He will not be impeached and he will not be forced to resign. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And Isaiah was dead right, and we've heard it this morning, when he said, he will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. You know, it's when we catch a fresh glimpse of the glory of God In the face of Jesus, that we are changed, that we find something of that joy that the angels announced on that first Christmas morning, and that we find ourselves maybe in a place where we wouldn't expect ourselves to be in God's choir, joining with the angels, praising not a baby in a manger but the crucified and resurrected Lord of glory. Glenn's gonna lead us in communion in a moment, and then we're gonna worship. And it's my prayer for myself and for you as we approach Christmas, that as we turn to the scriptures and we read these familiar stories, there'll be something totally fresh about our understanding of God's brilliant Son. Amen.